Okay, we are, we are uh, on the third installment with our line by line series. And we're kind of land in the echo liturgy or the surrender prayer, or maybe you might know it as the salvation prayer, depending on how you view it. I'm not exactly sure. But what we're trying to do is kind of delve into this prayer and ask a few questions. Number one, saying, like, God, who are you? How can we see you better through this prayer and better understand who you are? But then on that same way, looking at ourselves and say, like, the more we get to know God, the more we get to know ourselves. And then we learn there is a way of living. And I just happen to believe that if you keep praying a prayer like this, your life will change over time. I've seen it over and over, and I've experienced it myself. Uh, but the line that we're going to land on today is, I have more questions than answers. And, uh, and we know, uh, or I know, that through the existence of Echo, Time and time again, I have had it mentioned to me over and over the significance of that line. Because traditionally, people don't maybe exactly expect that a church just admits that they don't have it all figured out. And I just want to tell you just, and I know there's a lot of visitors here too as well uh, because of the events, like I just want to just humble myself as a leader and say, man, I really do. I really mean that. I have more questions than answers. I don't have it all figured out, but guess what? I'm going to continue to move for, forward, and I hope that that's the community of faith that we're a part of at Echo, is we're a, a people that move forward even when there are still questions that are unanswered. Uh, in fact, I, thinking about kids, I think kids actually ask the best questions, and I went online and grabbed a few funny ones, and so uh, let me just tell you about a few questions uh, children have asked recently, one being to, I think, a, 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 a girl and her teacher, she looks at her and says, why can't I see my eyes? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, how deep? Uh, how about this one? My brother asked my mom when my sister was born, born, can we put her back? I want a brother. <laughs> that's, that's not me saying that. That wasn't my family. That was someone else's, okay? <laughs> mom, that was not what Ryan said. So uh, how about this? Where does the sun go when it gets dark? Deep questions. Why, uh, how about when we all, maybe as children, we agree with this. Why don't they make vegetables tasty? By far my favorite. Why does Miss Fletcher have a mustache like Daddy? Oh. <laughs> I know who you are. Just raise your hand. You were that kid asking that question. Raise your hand. Okay, thank you for that honesty right there. I was double-handed, you know, not saying uh, appropriate things from time to time. Uh, the big idea today is this, and if you don't mind, write this down. Take a photo if you can uh, see it behind me. Uh, but the big idea today is this, is life raises questions. It's complex, and so is God. And as a result, expect a faith that is not simple. I actually was just thinking about it before I came up, and actually in, in, uh, in prayer a little bit in worship, I, I just was processing, and actually there was kind of an indignance, there was a little bit of an anger, because I think so often we as Christians try to simplify complex issues. And I feel like we rip God off when we do that. 
and we hurt a lot of people in the process. And so I, I want to jump into this idea that, that life isn't, isn't easy necessarily. It's complex. God's complex. And we should just understand that faith is not simple. And, and as I was thinking about faith, you know, just faith not simple, uh, there's no better illustration than what's happening in the Middle East. This is a great reminder of the complex nature of our world. And when I look at what's happening there, honestly, like, my heart goes out, but, like, honestly, there's a lot of questions that just rise because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about Israel and the Jewish people and that specific landmass, and, and, and there is this inward tension, and, and I'm not going to try to answer those questions, but I feel compelled as your pastor to pause and pray for the Middle East. Would you pray with me, Jesus, right now, Lord, we as brothers and sisters, as images of you, Lord. We pause and remember that everybody is made in the image of you. And we mourn, we, 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 we right now pause and mourn with those who are mourning. And yet at the same time, Lord, we, we sense and are overwhelmed by the hate that is in this world. And once again, we ask that you would rise up that your love might win. Lord, we pray for resolve in the Middle East. God, we pray for a Jesus revival, that there isn't an answer that just, that just fixes the issue for a time, but fixes an issue for eternity. So Jesus, may you be known in that region and may your peace come. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. I was recently reading and listening to a book called Woven by Meredith Miller. And the concept of her book uh, that's really encouraging parents to, to help form, formulate, in essence, I don't like the word formulate, but build up a faith that is resilient with your children. And again, you know, again, tons of parents are here, tons of grandparents here, like, like we all understand the importance and our hearts that, that when our kids and our children leave, they will follow after Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That they don't leave Jesus behind when they leave your home. And what I like about the book is she suggests that our faith should look quite a bit like a spider web and less like a brick wall foundationally the issue with the brick wall is this, is when there are questions and you can't answer them easily, you take a brick out of the wall and if you take too many bricks out of the wall, what happens? The wall crumbles. She suggests that there is a way in our faith, in our children's faith, to build a resilient and flexible and strong faith that will stand stresses and circumstances and I just loved that idea and I thought it was such a great image for us to strive for and 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 and, and again that's easier said than done because we all have a lot of questions and I have a lot of questions and some of you you come into church and and and, and one of those questions that I hear from time and time again is this why did they have to die why has God not fixed the situation? Why has he not healed me? 
Why is it that I feel far from God? Why is it that when I come into a church community and I get to know some people of faith, that their faith looks a certain way and my faith does not? Why is it that I feel distant from God? Why can I not hear God's voice? And at other times we look at the church and we walk in and we get to know people for who they are and we start asking, but God, why are these hypocrites people that you're using? There's so many questions. There's so many questions, and, 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 and I, I'm, I'm not trying to answer any of them, quite frankly, today, but I want to present this idea that in the midst of questions that, that are unanswered, we can have a vibrant faith that stands no matter what. And one of the questions that I, that, that honestly growing up that I struggled with um, in, in really just being at school and, and trying to navigate what was being said at school and what was being said in the Bible was the beginning narratives of the earth, the creation narrative. Most, if not all of you would know it. It, it presents this idea in the Bible that God created the earth in six days and on the seventh he rested. And yet we go into a traditional school scenario and there's just a different narrative that's being presented with evolution. And, and honestly, as, as a young man in high school, and I, it, was, it was like this struggle. Like, like, and I had so many questions that, that, that kind of rose up. And, and honestly, it just felt like there really wasn't answers. There was just an argument that was being had. And I started asking myself, like, is it even possible? Was it even possible that God could create the earth in seven days? And yet on the same other, on the other end, I was thinking, is it even possible for us to know anything about evolution? Because we don't live more than 80 years, typically. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are so many questions, and there is a tension and when I look at the biblical narrative, I, I, and I start reading and going like, okay, now are we talking about seven literal days or are we talking about like 7,000 because there's another scripture that says like one day is as a thousand years? Or is it more metaphorical by nature or figurative? It, could it be seven million years that the earth? You, you all get what I'm saying. Like there is just a tension and the tension is real. And what I want to tell you is this. I believe that your faith can coexist with life's biggest questions. Psalms 119.105 says this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that scripture and I'll tell you why. God would not tell you that the word is a light unto your path unless he knew there needed to be a light in a path that is dark and full of questions. Like God wasn't surprised that all of a sudden we had a bunch of these questions. No, he is prepared and understands that there will be intention and there will be a desire to try to figure those things out. And I, I just want to tell you, I, I believe in some respect, faith requires resistance. And if your faith isn't experiencing resistance, then maybe you're not exactly growing in it. See, I believe trust is solidified by fighting through challenges with Jesus. That was your opportunity to say amen, but I didn't hear anybody. <laughs> I believe... Trust is solidified by fighting through challenges with Jesus. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I 
love you guys. <laughs> Thanks for loving me, by the way. But I do believe that, that we can have a vibrant faith and navigate with questions. I believe there is a better way to solidify our faith. And, and what I want to do is just kind of unpack six, what I would call six anchor strands to my faith. Uh, did you hear that? My faith. Your faith may look different. Okay, these strands may not exactly relate to you. You may not buy into them yet, and that's all right. But for me, these are some foundational things that have kept my faith strong because there are times in the middle of the night when I've closed my eyes, I've thought, is this all real? Is it fake? Is that too real for you? There are opportunities where doubts creep up and I want to tell you this, let's begin to doubt our doubts more than we doubt our faith. Okay, six strands that have, that have really formulated my faith as I know it. Uh, let me tell you this before I tell you this, this, the first strand. Faith does not work by formula. That's another opportunity to say amen. Faith does not work by formula, but there are different elements that can build your fiber in faith. The first one for me is this, the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God and its existence has changed my life. It just has. I am not the man that I used to be. God continues to refine me and renew me and restore me and build me into the man that he wants me to be. And what's why, what I love about pastoring is this, is I get to look at you every week. And what I'm reminded of when I see you and I know your story is you also are a life that has been changed by the living word of God named Jesus. Now, what I love about the word of God is not, not only is it alive and active, but it's also credible. Come on, someone say amen. What I like about it is this is a case for Christ and least struggle in his mind that thinks clearly different than mine. Uh, he emphasizes on his faith the significance of manuscript evidence. That he, think, he, he believes that the Bible is credible because of the amount of manuscripts that back up and prove a streamlined story and scripture as we know it 2,000 years later. In fact, he says their early manuscripts, just in Greek, add up to about 5,600, 5,800 manuscripts. And that's not even counting the thousands that are ancient manuscripts that are written in different languages. And oh, by the way, for the most part, say the same thing. I don't know about you, but that builds my faith. Between services, and I don't know if this is true, um, we'd have to you know, ask Jeeves. Is that a thing anymore? <laughs> but he said if you were to pile up all the manuscripts for the New Testament and the Old Testament, it would go a mile high. Ask Jeeves. I don't know. That builds my faith. It's one of those strands of like the credibility that, 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 that all of a sudden this Bible didn't just show up somewhere, but through time it has been preserved and kept safe by the hand of God in 
unique circumstances and destruction all along the way. And then just a comparison game here, if you, if you think about Plato and Aristotle, which by the way, you've all read at some point, probably in your school. There's only 100 manuscripts compared to what's in the New Testament. Isn't that just cool? It just builds my faith. It's one of those things that helps me when I ask myself, is this real? Could it be true? Uh, but what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of something to grab a hold of because the word of God is not only credible, it also can be difficult and it can also create some additional questions. Can we just admit that uh, today? Uh, let me give you f- uh, four questions you should ask while you're reading the Bible. Four questions you should be cognizant of that, that come to you when you're listening to me preach or reading scripture. You yourself should be asking these questions. The first one is this. Number one, is it essential? Is what you're reading essential? Are you someone that's willing to go back to that simple question to keep the main thing the main thing? And let me just be really blunt. You know the main thing is? Is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus and his grace and his love displayed for humankind. Let's keep that centric. And as we read the whole part of this unified story we call the Bible. The second question is this. Is it peripheral? Okay, let me, let me help you understand that. There are so many things and so many things that you might read in scripture like a bunch of lists of names and genealogies, although it might be important for some people, for the most of us, it's generally on the peripheral. (laughs) It's not something where you have to lose sleep about it because your name's not in it. Okay, it's not something to be totally concerned about. And when I say peripheral, you have to understand that there are different literary forms within the scripture. And so the way that we read scripture when it comes to historic rendering of an event is different than how we read it when it's poetry. So keep the main thing the main thing and the side thing the side thing, okay? So ask that question. How about this? Well, I think this is a really good question when you're reading the Bible. Is it confusing? And judging by your reaction, you relate to that. And I will tell you this, is community is necessary and YouTube is dangerous. Okay? (laughs) That's my awkward laugh for those that don't know me. Like, like, like legitimately, community makes the world of a difference. And I'm telling you, if you're alone on an island, alone in the room, alone in your thought process, guess what? That's where scary and, and, and things start really, really leading you in the wrong direction. And when we're in community, we're called to chew on and to discuss and to debate and to come together and come up with answers that are standing on the word of God, but also stand within the community. And then the fourth question is, is it profitable? Is it profitable? Let's keep Jesus at the center, and then if what we're reading, we should ask the Lord, Lord, do you want to train me? Is this scripture that wants to build me up? Do you want to teach me something? Do you want to rebuke me? Do you want to turn me around? Do you want to turn my ways? Do you want to correct me? Is it profitable? That's the first strand to my anchor faith, and I spent quite a bit of time on that, but let me quickly give you the rest, the, the, the other five. Number one, uh, or number two, 
is the historic fact. But we're not talking about a myth. Jesus isn't a myth. He's an irrefutable, the irrefutable fact that Jesus was a first century Jew who walked the streets of Israel, and he's not just recorded in the Bible, but he's in extracurricular Bible writings, such as, such as Josephus and other writings. It helps my faith understanding that this isn't just a biased group of books, but that other people who were living the same time referred to this man named Jesus of Nazareth. This is a strand that helps build my faith. Number three is this, is generational impact. It actually helps me that we're 2,000 years removed than living in the now. And honestly, like if something was happening today right now, I guarantee you, I am skeptical. <laughs> I just am. I'm, no way, I'm not gonna believe in them. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not doing it. But because of the years that have gone by, I, I just sense that, 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 you know what, if this wasn't of God, that this would have fallen apart many, many years ago. And I love this reference in Acts 5, and there's this leadership, Jewish leader named Gamaliel, and, and, and there's a bunch of people like complaining because the way of Jesus is building momentum and growing, and there's, there's just the faith is robust, and, and the community's growing, and now all of a sudden they're concerned about like how this is gonna affect their belief, right, the Jewish faith. And the, some of the leadership around them stand up and say, hey, let's go ahead and like take care of them. Let's like kill these disciples because they're just all bad. They're not believing the right thing. Let's just take them out. And Gamaliel says, no, hold on, hold on. There's this other guy that has done this. His name's Thaddeus. And then there was this guy named Judas. And what happened in both those scenarios is you killed them and all their followers, instead of continuing, it just kind of fizzled out and it was gone. And in a wise way, he stands up and he says, guess what? You know what, in the present scenario, I, advi I advise you just to leave these men alone. Let them go. For, in, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will be able to, uh, you, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. In fact, you'll find yourself fighting against God. The next verse, he persuaded them. <laughs> It just builds my faith that like this 2,000 years later and we're at Mayo High School in the auditorium in these kind of ugly green chairs <laughs> celebrating Jesus. Like it builds my faith. It's one of my strands I mean, uh, that, that help formulate why I still believe. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus was here yesterday and he's here today and he will always be because he is King Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number four, the disciples. What I love about the disciples, they had firsthand knowledge. They knew Jesus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't really want, I just popped up on my mind, I have to say this, but one of the questions that like I know a child somewhere around the world have asked their parents is this, did Jesus fart? <laughs> Anybody know the answer? Yes, he did, he did. The disciples got to experience that firsthand. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. <laughs> wow, I should have said that, but anyway. Unfiltered, yeah, with Andy. Um, my point being is this. These disciples knew who Jesus was. 
And when he died, and when he rose again, they didn't flee. They didn't run. When persecution, when they were thrown in jail, when they were flogged, they stood for the cause of Jesus Christ. The disciples did that. And you know what actually is really convincing to me? Jesus' own brother stood for Jesus, not as his brother only, but Jesus as his king. And I'm telling you, you cannot fool your family. You just can't. What builds my faith is this, is that Jesus' disciples died for the cause of Christ. And very few people will die for a lie. That's one of my strands. That's what helps build my faith. Number five, straight, uh, faith strand, faith community. It's you. It's hearing your stories. It's hearing your personal encounters. It's walking with you when you're not able to have a child and then all of a sudden God does this beautiful miracle. It's a beautiful thing. And I get to have firsthand knowledge of it because I'm committed to the community. Some of you are like, Andy, you really like doing what you do on stage. Yeah, it's okay, it's fun. But I always tell my table community that my favorite part of the week isn't Sunday mornings on stage, but it's around a table or in a circle with one another. And when I think about my experience in the faith community is is this, is I need other people to support me in my faith because there are gonna be moments where my faith is weak and it's tattered and I wanna give up and I just wanna believe this is all fake news, but somebody still has trust. They're still hoping and they're still praying for me. Faith community is one of those strands and then lastly, it's personal experience personal experience. One of my favorite table community conversations I ever had with the men in this half circle of sorts was the night that we talked about how God has intervened in our life and physically saved us. And across the room, almost every single man mentioned something. One man said, I was overdosing in drugs, but God... I was driving in a car, but God. Do y'all get what I'm saying? And there was a moment where I was like in, you know, like in the prime of my life, come on somebody. I was snakeboarding and I was doing all these tricks. I threw myself off the stair and did this awesome trick, you know what I'm saying? And I landed onto the sidewalk, but what the issue is the sidewalk ended and a road was there and there was an RV and just for the last, I'm literally right after the last second, right at the last second when I was going off the curb, I just did this, quick little stop and that little pause allowed a car that was, must have been going 45 miles per hour to pass me. I believe that God saved my life. Personal experience. You can't refute it. You just can't. And I guess what I'm asking today is this, is, is you know, for those of you that are in the room, you're like, I've never experienced God. I doubt God. I, my faith is weak. It's tattered. It, it, it's more like the wall that's crumbled than a, a, a vibrant and flexible and resilient web. I just want to ask you this, is when's the last time you were in the upper room waiting for the experience of God? 
Like, are you waiting? Are you expecting? And I just sense that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. In fact, just across this room, if we can make this, again, just a place of prayer. If you would just open your hearts and your minds to the move of of God, I just sense that God desires to call you by name. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this room. Holy Spirit, for those people that feel far from God, that the weights of answers and questions are far on the question side. God, I just ask that you would walk into this room and just, put a, just answer one thing. And that you desire to be near us. You desire to be in relationship with us. And that you're calling us by name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Mend hearts. Work on our minds. God, I just sense that there's some people that walked in this room and your church hurt or your leadership hurt or your family hurt, whatever it might be. Work hurt. God, I just ask that you would come in and that you would just give them a fresh start. Not because of anything that they can do, but because you are the hope of the world. And you want to bring peace and restoration and renewal in and through them. Jesus, we love you. Your work is not done. It's only beginning. May we put our hope and our trust on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, and our Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Is God good? Will you stand up every week? We pray this prayer. It is what we call the echo liturgy. It's what we call a surrender prayer. It is for some of us a salvation prayer where we say, God, we have screwed it up and you can fix it and you're gonna fix it because we're gonna follow you for the rest of our days. Join us in praying this. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you live, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority.